Hey there, it's Brian with the Dealership Fix-It Podcast, episode number 18. And I've got a guy named James Myers from Valley Cycle Center in Winchester, Virginia. Joining me today, I met James through another power sports guy, a guy that owns his own shop in Virginia, a shop named MotoWorks. The owner there is Brooke Farquhar and... Although, as we all know, we can we can all share to make um, this experience our businesses better, and that's kind of what this podcast is all about. Brooke had reached out to me and, and told me he thought James would be a good candidate uh, to be on the podcast. So I appreciate that, Brooke, and uh, maybe we can get you on soon. Um, so James and I talk um, about a couple things. Kind of the, the two topics that I wanted to talk to him about were about his involvement in his state and uh, dealer associations and how dealers could probably do a better job doing that. He didn't say that. That's just what I'm thinking. Um, make sure you can be involved with, uh, you know, what's going on in your state, uh, things that might be forces working against you. You want to make sure you understand what those are and, uh, and help, uh, as best you can to, to make sure your business can continue being successful. Um, and then the other uh, topic we talked about is, uh, family involvement in, uh, the power sports business at a dealership. So, as we all know, business and pleasure, kind of those two lines uh, can get blurred and some places do a really good job at it and some places really struggle. So we talked a little bit about that. I try not to hold him, uh, you know, certainly too accountable for everybody else. Everybody's uh, scenarios, everybody's got a different experience with, with these sort of things. So I just wanted to get some insights on for him, um, you know, James, what part about that uh, works for him and, and some maybe some red flags. So um, that's it. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Uh, buckle up, the dealership fix it. Hello, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Dealership Fix It podcast. I've got a special guest from the East Coast joining me this evening. James Myers from Valley Cycle Center in Winchester, Virginia. James, welcome. Hi, Brian. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing awesome. How's everything out there on the East Coast? The weather's starting to break. The sun's shining. The birds are chirping. So, you know, that's always uh, a special time in the power sports industry when that occurs. So it's, we're, uh, we're all ready to go. I've, I've found that... Uh, Human beings that are uh, that are fans of of the sort of products we sell don't need a whole lot of encouragement. They they're already uh, motivated to do these things. We just need to have the timing and sometimes the weather and uh, and some of that stuff line up, and we need to be patient and and be prepared to execute and and make them happy. Right. Well, the preparation part is key. That's obviously a, a very important part. There, I uh, a lot of times feel like we're underprepared for the spring selling season, especially in service when that first warm day happens and you go from begging to work, begging for work to uh, being two weeks out, you know, so. Uh... <laughs> how did, yeah, how did that happen? I, I you told me uh, I could bring my bike in for same, uh, same day service and now you yeah. call three days later and now I'm a couple <laughs> weeks out, right? Yeah. yeah. The problems yeah. we have. The problems yeah, it's we have. a, it's a good one. I used to joke and say that at uh, at motorcycle shops, it was always a a bit of a uh, like a, the old Greyhound bus pulled up. It was a, a feast or famine a lot of times, and you had to you had to kind of have that perspective to know uh, these sort of scenarios, like talking about scheduling and how far out you are, and 
you just never know. And, and, uh, uh you're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. It is a guessing game. Well, um, so I've got you, I, I, reached out to you and talked to you about coming on the podcast, but uh, you and I didn't know each other. Uh, we've, we've actually got a, a person in common that had listened to the podcast and uh, I don't know if, you know, we, we could mention him. Uh, Brooke, a, a guy that you know from the business reached out to me and said, you need to get James Myers on this podcast. Um, he's the kind of guy you should have on a kind of guy other dealers should hear. And I don't, I'm not trying to set the, bar really high and a pedal still for you but uh i just wanted to kind of put out there that it's funny how these connections happen somebody else that you know <laughs> referred you to me and yeah. so i reached out cold i cold called you and said uh hey do you want to be on a podcast and, and you're like huh tell me about this i don't know yeah <laughs> so, well so, I'm, I'm very excited to be here very uh, i'm looking forward to our conversation i'm a i'm a big podcast fan myself i uh, spend a lot of time in the in the vehicle and working out whatever it might be when i have an opportunity to to catch up on some of these i, I do there's a ton of good information in there and, and hopefully somebody will find some value in our conversation today well i think they will a couple of the things that um as you and i started talking and i just i like to usually have a little brainstorming session on the phone about what would we talk about you know what you know obviously you have your whole uh Many years, I think you'd said right around the 20-year mark of experience uh, in this business. And I'm, right. I'm about the same. And, and putting our heads together, I think there's always something where you have plenty to offer. I can't, I can't sum that up in a podcast episode for sure. But I like to kind of, kind of hear what you got going on. And, and I can pick out things that I think at least I find is unique or things that surprise me for the session we're about to do. And a couple of them, um, there's two things you and I talked about that I said, huh, I'd like to maybe include those at some level. And I'll let you pick. The two things are first, um, well, I don't know which one's first. The, the first <laughs> one, let's say uh, the fact that you're involved um, with – um, dealer associations, a dealer association in your um, uh, area of the country involved with making sure uh, legislation, these sort of things, how they impact the dealer to consumer and all of that part of the process. And the other thing I wanted to see if we could get a few minutes on is I think it sounds like you might be in the outer fringe of when you're a multi-generation involved in the ownership of a dealership and the operation of a dealership. I've seen a lot of those things go bad through my years in, uh, in interacting with dealerships. And I'd like to get sort of, uh, you know, your, your read on, uh, how you, how you, uh, what sort of pitfalls there are things to avoid, you know, ways to kind of make that work in the business when I think, uh, many have not. <laughs> so I don't Absolutely. know if you have, I don't know yeah. if you have a preference, but, uh, that's the well, two things you both, I think, are, are, are very important, especially in today's climate, right? We've got a lot of generational turnover right now. We've got a lot of guys who started in the power sports industry in the 70s and 80s and uh, made a great career, built an excellent shop, and, and they're at the point now where they're getting ready to retire, and they may have a child involved or kids involved that are looking to take over. And uh, so there's a lot of that right now that I see not just around me, but around the country and, and, and going to dealer meetings, talking with other dealers, you kind of see a very similar story uh, throughout uh -huh. the country. And then uh, the 20 group involvement I've been involved with and just, just being around other dealers, it seems to be a common theme. And you're right. I think that unfortunately we have seen 
um, we have seen a lot of failure uh, when, when that occurs. And but I've seen a lot of success, too. And, yeah. and one of the things that I've if I do anything well, it's observe. It's just watching what the good guys are doing and and watching especially what the bad guys are doing. I learn more from a non-example than I do from a good example. And there you go. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're watching some of these these things take over, I'm not in their dealership. I don't know what conversations they're having. I don't know what the uh, buyout looks like if there is one. I don't know anything, but I can see a lot of stuff that happens that's, in my opinion, incorrect and 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 I think can be avoided if uh, a couple of things were changed, but, and then on the association side too, that's just, uh, every state needs one, every state needs one. And, and we're, we're fortunate in Virginia to have, you know, five, six, seven dealers that are, that are very involved in the, the, the local, the, or excuse me, the general assembly here in, uh, in Virginia and, and staying plugged in as to what's going on and what's happening. And we, we've saved, uh, power sports dealers here in Virginia, a lot of headache, a lot of trouble. Um, but it's, uh, the two, the two things probably have a very common theme. It's really just about the people, you know, the people that you have, both these, these topics here are probably going to come back around full circle. So, okay. Well, you know, uh, um, I guess the first question I would pose, uh, to you in, in regards to like the association, um, would be, I mean, I guess I imagine uh, the dealerships, I have dealerships, at least that I call on, you know, in this, uh, the current part of the country I live in. And I know some are involved with, with that sort of deal, but I have to assume, because I don't hear much about it from the majority of them, that some either determine, uh, you know, I don't have, if I have the time to get involved, or I would have to imagine just like anything else, you think uh, some dealers would assume that that's an area where I'm not, uh, and that's not necessarily something I know much about. It may be too steep a learning curve. Do you find that? Is there a way for uh, dealers to get involved in their local area without, you know, having to be a full time a full time job for them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. You know, the first thing the the objections that I hear are usually just like that. Um, I, I I barely have enough time to spend at my dealership, much less working on something at the legislative level or working with, you know, taking time an hour and a half, two hours for a conference call or traveling to the state capitol to sit in on a meeting uh, with a legislator or a delegate or whatever it might be. And it, it, while that is a component, we, we do have typically a, a board. And, and most of these associations I know of have, have several board members who, um, we try to strategically put around the state, you know, so that you get a good, like in Virginia, we've got a guy from the East coast. We got a guy in the panhandle. We got a guy like myself, who's up north, somebody in the center of the state. So we can kind of hear what's happening all around uh, the state of Virginia, but we also have somebody that's close to Richmond. So if we need anything to be done in Richmond or a meeting to be attended or somebody to, to visit, then that person is the one that, that goes and does it. So, uh, it's really just about delegating the responsibility, but you don't have to do that either. You don't have to be involved to that level. Um, just being, just showing up to the annual meeting or the semi-annual meeting, whatever your state association may have, just showing up and being a part of that and hearing your voice and hearing, hearing the unique situations that happen in your dealership day to day is so valuable to, to, to a, a, an association. We're sometimes in an effort to try, just like our dealership, we try to place value in our dealership so that customers come back and, 
and buy from us? Why are we worth it to, to, to spend their money at, at our uh-huh. shop versus somebody else's? And we do the same thing with the association. Why, why would somebody join? So we're almost sometimes just looking for trouble to get into. And <laughs> if, if, if we can find a, a situation that's worth going after or a situation that some dealer somewhere's experience that we see is just uh, inequitable uh, one way or the other, whether it be a relationship with the manufacturer in the dealership or a relationship at the state level with a state law or taxes or whatever. There's all our industry seems to be the only industry that has a significant tax savings on the product we sell. And I can't think of it. I can't think of mattresses or furniture or television sets or golf clubs. You got to pay tax on that stuff anywhere you get it, it seems. But for some reason you can buy a daggone four wheeler and not pay tax on it if you go across somebody's state line. And I don't know why that's the case, but it it just seems to be the case. But I'm finding that, that states with good, strong associations, good participation are getting those problems fixed. And it's uh, it's got to start somewhere. Yeah, I know that that's part of, you know, some of it, at least the ones I've heard discussion of around here, because the example is where I live in the state of Oregon. There's no uh, there's no sales tax. Um, and across the river, you know, basically in Vancouver, Washington and Washington, which is very close proximity to a population center here. Um, you know, those folks, uh, in the past had wanted to come across the river to buy their ATVs and their dirt bikes and things like that for the, whether it's perceived or real, obviously the, uh, the, the, the allure, right. Of coming across and, and having that extra amount of savings. And I think some, uh, as I told you, some dealers in Washington got involved uh, legislatively and made sure that, you know, the manufacturers were somehow tied in with, you know, it's a longer story. I won't, I won't belabor it, but obviously the the same sort of scenario you're talking about with, uh, you know, engagement. And then as you had done, it sounds like you've got connected to other parts of the state uh, to get a read on, obviously they might have different uh, states bordering and different issues, but plenty of them could be, uh, you know, central to, to the same sort of uh, things that you run into in, in areas you need help. Absolutely. Well, and, and to touch on Washington's deal there too. I mean, that that's a success story right there for dealers in Washington, maybe not so much for dealers in Oregon or dealers in Idaho or wherever it might be, but those dealers came together, realized uh, that there was an advantage for somebody to sneak out of state, uh, an advantage that they couldn't do anything about. It wasn't about that. I'm not going to lower my price. It's that these guys have a tremendous savings when the average ticket is twelve thousand dollars, thirteen thousand dollars in some of our dealerships these days to save five percent or six percent worth of sales tax is huge, yes. and it's something that we just can't do anything about. So it was successful because of a couple of people that got involved, and um, and and if you don't want to be involved, then pay us to do it. <laughs> That's the other thing. <laughs> Uh, contribute to 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 the people that are trying to make it work because that's the other thing is we're always seems like we're trying to beg bar and steal to to be able to pay a lobbyist or to be able to uh to to do the things that we do to try to make our association successful so at at a minimum just be involved financially and pay your state dues i don't know many of them to be much more than a thousand dollars a year and uh it's just such a good investment for for your business Okay. And then, so with, uh, with what the one you're involved with, that's, um, local to your proximity or do you guys have more far reaching, um, interaction with other places, other States? No, it's just Virginia. Okay. Just Virginia. Okay. 
Yeah, like I say, that that area as we discussed it, I thought, man, you know, I, I just know there's not a whole lot of my dealers that talk about it with me, um, but doesn't mean they're not involved or, or maybe, like you say, maybe they're paying dues to somebody who is doing it. But I thought that's really going to be something where there's probably plenty of uh, plenty of uh, dealership owners and, and managers who, who really should be, you know, paying closer attention to these deals and how they affect them. As we know, we, we wake up and there's a new law. Oh, wow, that affects me negatively. Should have, yeah, should have, should have paid more attention to that. How, yeah, how can I start paying attention to that? You know? Well, and the biggest thing anymore is the the manufacturer relationship that we have. Um, you know, we all know our reps. Most of us like our reps. Mm-hmm. We enjoy them. We enjoy seeing them come in. But a lot of times there's things that the, that the manufacturers do that don't serve our interest the best. And um, I know a dealer in a state that doesn't have a very strong dealer association. And I can't remember the name of the street, but just for instance, he, he, he runs XYZ Power Sports on Main Street. And his address might be the 800 block of Main Street. Mm-hmm. And on the 1600 block of Main Street, there is a dealer with like brands in his store so eight miles down the road he's got a competitor selling the exact same stuff with almost the same address and uh you know those are the stories that just really drive me crazy it's you know i I, yeah and then you ask them do you have a state association or any type of dealer board or anybody that you can go back to and talk to and try to figure this out to, to block that from happening or um, and the answer is no, um, we don't have that. So, um, and the only way to get it is just to start, you know, somebody has got to start doing it. I think, I think it would be best for your, for, for anybody's business. And it's also a good way to keep our, our partners in air quotes here. You can't see me, but I'm doing it. Our partners, <laughs> our deal manufacturer partners from, uh, uh, doing things that don't really go against our interests so yeah because they're not they're not partners in that they're they're investing a, a capital into your business obviously they're there <laughs> strategically or or product wise or whatever right, right? So they're, they're not showing up with their checkbooks i don't think it's your, uh, it's your not that uh, i can your... tell not it's never happened here <laughs> <laughs> okay so um i guess some takeaways obviously um if you know if somebody's listening to this and they think you know yeah that's something I should do, do you have any recommended uh, uh, go to a certain website or uh, is it something where you s- encourage them to contact guys like you or anybody directly for sort of feedback or insight on how to do it or? Well, anybody's you know I'm 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 an open book and I love to help. I've gained so much from talking to smart people in this industry and mm-hmm. and if I can be able to. Uh, to uh, help anybody else and, and offer the same type of help I've received. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to do so. I don't know that I'm, I, I can help them find their, uh, who runs their state association, their executive director and uh, one of their board members or another dealer. But the best thing, if, if, if you're new getting into the business, just call the, the dealer in the next town and talk with them a little bit and see if there, there's anything like that. But I know, I, I think there's more States that have them than not. Okay. Um, and if there's not one, it's probably something that you start to organize the dealer base in that state and figure out how to start it, how to get it going. Um, and a good place to start would be looking, I, I promise you all of your auto dealers have one in all 50 states. So a good place to start would be to reach out to the, the auto dealer association in your state and, um, and to kind of get a blueprint for, for how to start, where to go. Um, I've found anybody that I've talked to to be super helpful here in Virginia. Um, so I, I, 
that's probably where I would start. But certainly anybody that wants my okay. advice, they're welcome to it. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess it would be, you know, a matter of who who in, in business near you or, or whether it's even the same, as you said, doesn't have to be exactly uh, power sports or whatever, but who's on, who's in similar uh, incentives, sort of, you know, like or to positive or negative, who's going to get, have uh, these sort of things working against them. Okay. Another dealership of sorts, you know, and that's definitely makes sense. I, I wouldn't have thought about that, but you're, you're probably spot on automotive guys are probably belong to several <laughs> associations, right? You know? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, um, absolutely. So in terms of, um, I guess we can switch gears unless, unless you've got any um, additional to, uh, to add to that. I guess I could, um, I don't know enough about it to ask maybe a whole lot of questions, but it sounds like we've kind of reached yeah. a, okay. So tell me about um, how wonderful it is to be involved with many, <laughs> multiple generation of uh, dealership uh, management and ownership. Well, I tell you, it is. It went, when I stand back and look at it 20 years from now, I think I probably will say it was it was a, just a real treat. It was a real privilege to be involved with my family to work. Uh, there's been times that I would have argued against that, um, certainly here. <laughs> and, but there, it, it, when I when I stand back and look to have the opportunity to be able to work with my father and and to spend time because when I when when my brother and I were growing up. Uh, we got to see him when we came to visit him at work. We, yeah. we didn't see him as much at home. There was, he, he started the business in 1968. So we're, we're in our 51st year now and it, it, times were tough. I mean, it was, it was thin. It wasn't like we were out and, uh, uh, he was on his yacht and, and we got to go <laughs> visit him, you know, on yeah. vacation in the Caribbean, that kind of stuff. I mean, it was, it was if the, the doors need to be open, that cash register needs to ring and I got to be there. And every dollar mattered. Every deal was important. He wanted to be a piece of every deal, uh, whether it be a work order or anything. It was him and two or three other guys to start and then eventually grew into a where he'd hired a, a receptionist and a bookkeeper and uh, and then an F&I manager. Then, a, you know, before long, the, the mid 90s hit and uh, happy days are here. You know, you just couldn't. You, everything that you ordered sold. And, and that's about the time I came to work for my father. So I, I was working, I, I, I graduated, um, and was encouraged to go get other work before I ever considered to come to work for Valley cycle. And that's what I did. And I went to work for an auto parts store here in town and worked there for a little while in my early twenties and was offered a promotion to be the store assistant manager. And I thought that this is how, this is the, this is the beginning chapter of me taking over the world. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that, you know, I've been here six months and all of a sudden they're offering me a management position and I was going to make 32 grand, you know, a wow. year if I took this job. And so I, I, I talked to my father, I came to him and I said, this is what's happened. And he said, let me show you what happens, how much money you're going to make if you sell an R6. And we sat down, we did the math on that. And he said, I need a sales guy here. And I'd like for you to come to work for me. And then it was all over from there to, to, to hear your father ask you to come to work and to be a part of something that you know that he's places higher value on this place than anything else for that matter was just uh, really kind of put me over the moon. I was really, really pleased to have that opportunity. So I came to work for him and uh, fast forward 20 years, here I am. I, everything that I've learned has been primarily the hard way. 
Um, it, it was, it's been something that I've, I've had to watch people succeed and, and emulate what they've done. I've had to talk to people smarter than me, way smarter than me to try to get good ideas, to figure out how to navigate through this. And I've had to watch, unfortunately, watch people fail and see where they didn't succeed and, and avoid those pitfalls. So, um, this business is very difficult. There's, this is a, a difficult business to, to navigate day to day, but when you add the complexity of family into the business, then it's, um, really difficult, I think. So I, I, I'm not trying to say I had it tougher than anybody else out there, but, um, the, the kid that succeeds the father, um, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. So, well, and as we talked about before, I think what I find is very stereotypical and probably accurate is that most times a, a, an owner that started the business, you know, at some level begins to hand off the reins, whatever it is. Maybe it's a full on, here's your big new baby. <laughs> it's a dealership. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's along the lines of, okay, so I'm gonna, I want you involved in the business and this is the plan long-term or, or I just need your help in running it. Generally that second level of, uh, of the family being involved is like the old uh, photocopy of a photocopy as far as the level of you know, excitement and passion and, and maybe, uh, you know, commitment to the business. And uh, I find, you know, the examples that sound kind of more like yours where it's, it's not, you don't see that. And I, and I wonder, as I hear you tell the story, I think, oh man, maybe he played a little bit of uh, harder to get, you know, with you, like you should, you, know, you should go get another job. And, uh, and if you did come back, here's kind of what it would look like, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a bit of the secret to, uh, to some success in that multifamily deal is not the, uh, the hard sell the, uh, you, you know, you're needed. This is what you're expected to do. I did this for you. You know, if I've seen dealers maybe who seem to have done that be, uh, the harder gel. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know what the, the secret is to the ultimate success. I don't think that there's a, a key out there somewhere or a, a plan that any one operator follows that is just going to guarantee them success. But one thing that I do see over and over and over again is that it's it's not always the the kid that is to blame for this a lot of times it is um, the owner it's the father who put the kid in a situation that they just weren't going to succeed in and you know we're i've got i've got three children right now nine seven and five and I spend a lot of time with them coaching their teams and, and I spend a lot of time talking with them and telling them that they can do anything that they, they want, you know, as long as you put your mind to it and it's going to be a tough conversation to have with these guys one day, if they decide to get involved in this business, it's gonna be a tough conversation to have with them. If they, you know, our dealership in a monarchy, just because your last name's Myers doesn't mean that you're going to ascend to the throne upon my death. Okay. Mm -hmm. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's a meritocracy. You've got to be able to work for and to, to get anything that you, you receive here. And I think a lot of it is just having, um, realistic expectations of the people that you have in your dealership, regardless of their last name. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't put somebody that was unqualified, uh, let's say a 24 year old just graduated, uh, and, and cruise through college and, and has a marketing degree or a business management degree or whatever they thought best served them in the power sports industry. 
you wouldn't put them in the chair next to you and just say, go ahead and start ordering product. Uh, <laughs> I want you to figure out your advertising plan. But that seems to be what happens sometimes with in this industry. You know, mm-hmm. we, we get somebody new and they start right at the top. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that you need to start in the back sweeping floors. But at the same time, you need to figure out where you do fit in this dealership. Everybody's read that Jim Collins book about having the right people in the right seats of the bus. Um, uh-huh. I can't think of the name of that book now. It's uh, good to great, I think, is what it is. So, you know, that's a very popular book about business and what makes companies last. Companies like GE and companies like Merck and, and how, how do they succeed through generations? And when we're going to create something that we hope, I'd like to think the majority of the people that get into this business aren't doing this just so that one day they can close their shop and retire. At one point, I think they'd like to see their dealership outlast them, you know, whether it's through uh, a plan of succession or whether it's a sell, buy, sell agreement that they, they get with somebody else. But they... I would be very proud to see somebody operate Valley Cycle Center if that's what happened, whether it's my kid or somebody else. So in, in an effort to do that, you got to think about your dealership it, as it's not really yours. You're mm-hmm. just a steward of its well-keeping. It's, it's not yours. It's just your turn, mm-hmm. is, I guess, kind of what I'm saying. And, and, and a lot of times when you put a individual, whether they share your last name or not, in a situation to run your dealership, um, if they're not ready or they're not capable of doing so, I don't know what you expect. So, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know that that's the child's fault. <laughs> you know, I don't know that that's the kid's fault that, that if dad says I can do it, I'm sure I can. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, you can still be an owner of a power sports establishment and not be a general manager. Um, you can be a parts manager. You can be a, a parts person. You can be a mechanic. You can. Uh-huh. There, there's several jobs throughout this dealership that's probably going to fit you very well or fit an individual very well. But if you put anybody who's just not uh, prepared or somebody who's just not going to be good at that job, and you're just setting them up for a bad deal. And I don't think that's very fair to, to anybody, much less your family member. All right. So. Yeah, it's – um. <clears throat> You know, you think about placing anyone, you know, in a role, if, if you're hiring, you know, you, you, you want them to have, um, you know, obviously experience, but if they don't aptitude and desire to learn passion about what it is, where you feel like they'll get up to speed quickly because it's driving them. And you think about, you know, just cause somebody shares your genetics being like, whether it's your child or whatever, the assumption that, you know, the passion is going to translate and the motivation is going to be there. Um, you know, I think, I think as you know, we talked about, I think there's, there's certainly examples on all sides and all manners. Cause it's like anything else with human. It's, there's no, there's no one answer when humans are involved. There's, there's all the, the shades of gray, but it's definitely something where, um, I, I guess, I don't, I guess that surprises me too. And you said that before was, uh, you don't really see many, uh, yeah, I'm the owner and I'm a technician in the back or I'm the owner and I'm a parts. I mean, you'll see some examples, but the majority of the times, I think the expectation is, no, you need to be out and over the whole umbrella of it all in a sort of a general manager role. Um, but like you're saying, it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the right setup, definitely not for everybody. So, 
Yeah, I don't think so. It's it's hard to manage people. That's the biggest that's the biggest problem I think that that most of us have day to day is is finding the right people and and keeping the right people. And um, you know, some people just aren't going to do that well. It's it just a a fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you're just not going to find. That's that's kind of hard to come by. Somebody that's I, I don't do it myself. I, I feel like I do it okay. I don't do it particularly well. I like to think all the employees here are happy and they understand what my shortcomings are. I'm, I'm upfront and honest with them about that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I just treat them the way that I'd want to be treated, but there, there's also, if you got a, a guy who is, is showing interest in your, in your dealership, uh, your, your son's showing interest in your dealership, but they have a hard time reading the financial statement. Um, you're not going to have a very successful dealership for long. And, and that's, it can be done. I I don't think that I'm not saying that they can't do it. Um, They just really have to bend outside of their comfort zone and they have to do it every day for Mm -hmm. the amount of time that they own this dealership. (laughs) It's um, not really setting them up for success. It's funny in talking to like my own, you know, kids. I mean, I have little kids too. I have a five and a seven-year-old. And then um, I've got a stepson that lives with us half the time and he's 15. And it's funny because, you know, when he was about, I don't know, I feel like he was about maybe 10, 11 years old, kind of in that range, he starts talking about what he wants to be when he grows up. And I'm going to be a professional soccer player, which he still plays competitive soccer. And maybe that's still on his, his agenda. He hasn't, he's 15, so he doesn't talk too much. <laughs> to any of his parents anymore you know but yeah. <laughs> the 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 kind of the joke was uh in talking to him and, and i said well you know i i wasn't a, i wasn't a professional athlete but i was an expert pro expert level motocrosser in you know my uh last years of high school and into college when i stopped to go to college and uh he was talking about it. i said look it isn't sometimes that someone is that someone you know comes with the ability or at the level you're at has been always on top of the pack it's about what you're willing to give up to keep doing the things that'll put you in the right position and i said and that's the thing that i i not that someone didn't ever explain that to me but it never sunk in if they did was that it's you know it's it's about staying power and doing the things you don't want to do and continue to do them and and like you're saying if if someone doesn't have the aptitude or or whatever uh, financially let's say you like you're saying to read the the p and l and understand it and know what you have to move uh, what needles to go where, you know, doesn't mean they can't be taught those things, but they definitely have to be someone who's, uh, who's willing to put in excess work in that area to become astute. And it would seem like, well, and if they're not willing to do it, they can still be an owner, but they need to have a really, really good GM, somebody they can trust. They need to have a really, really good accountant. Again, somebody that they can trust. And they probably are, are not going to enjoy this, but they need to be involved with some type of a 20 group and have some type of peer review so that they can have other people that are analyzing their financials. Um, uh, it can have a total of three different people kind of guiding them and telling them what's what's going on, their GM, their accountant, and then their, their peer review group. So... Um, you know, if they do those things, then they can probably do it just fine. And, uh-huh. and it's, uh, and get by being the parts guy or, or, or service writer, service manager, or, uh, whatever best fits them in the, in that dealership. So, uh-huh. uh, 
it's it's I, I've been involved, and I'm not trying to do a commercial here for for Spader. I <laughs> I pay them a ton of money, so I'd like to think they might pay me back if I say something nice. About them, but they've um they've helped me out quite a bit, and one of the things that they do is is called a DISC profile, and DISC is an acronym for something. I don't even know what it stands for, but what what you learn about yourself is unbelievable, and what you learn about other people. And once you do one of them yourself, you can kind of figure out where people in your dealership fit into that. And I think that that was, it was so enlightening to, to do that. Um, and almost it, I'm trying to figure out how to verbalize this, but it, it, it let me off the hook in, in some ways for me not being able to do the things that I wish I was better at. It's like, oh, well that's not my personality or, you know, that's, that's not, that, that's not the way I operate, not the way I think. So no wonder I can't do that well, but you know, who does do that? Well, this person over here. So I'm going to give them that responsibility. I'm going to delegate that work to them. Is the, and, the disc is like uh, that's a personality sort of a, a test, like the SWOT analysis for people, or is that, yeah, I'm trying to, exactly. seems like I've, okay. okay. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, like I say, it's an acronym for something, but you either fall into one of the four, categories d-i-s-c and it turns out i was a c a, a very high c and you can be a c and an i or a d and an s and uh, i am I, I should have been better prepared um <laughs> that's what's well, what a... i didn't expect to really talk about this but it, <laughs> it, it was it was such a good thing to do and i think that it, it, when you start to go through this plan of succession and you start to go through this generational change, it, it would be prudent for anybody doing that to talk to some professionals about it, maybe do one of those profiles and figure out, do I have the aptitude, I wouldn't say aptitude, uh, do I have the inclination to, to do these things day in and day out that's necessary to run this dealership? Um, because again, it's, it's not yours, it's just your turn. So, you know, you well, need to be a good steward of it. It's um yeah and I don't know the, the disc um, one myself personally well enough but I get the the concept and it's funny when uh, for work you know like for a trader we've it's been a few years now but we had done some of those with some sales training we did and it was very eye opening for me because I realized immediately my sort of whether you're saying aptitude or or um, what I tend to migrate to as far as how I operate and how I interact with other humans but the fact that I'll get a certain level of success or engagement or, or uh, kind of gel up with uh, certain individuals much easier than others. And I always thought, well, geez, you know, that's, we just are on different ends of things. And I realized that the different people that I was interacting with, uh, you know, my uh, dealerships or prospects that I'm interacting with are all of these other variations of, of those things. And obviously the two of us coming together, how, what's the best scenario to come together? And I'm not saying the disc, I don't, I don't know it. So I'm not really speaking to that, but it's interesting how the, sort of the personality or as you said, the inclination um, that you're likely to go to definitely plays in when you got multiple humans involved. So, well, you nailed it. You nailed it. It's uh, and, and a, a room full of D's is not going to get along uh, a room full of I's. are going to have a hard time with one another. And, uh, you know, to have a, a nice diverse group of, of people in your dealership is, uh, is really a, an advantage. It, it really is. And, um, and again, it just comes back to people, you know, it's uh, the people you have around you, the people you have working for you, the people you associate with are, are going to be a pretty good indicator of your future success. So, mm -hmm. Well, and that's interesting, too, because you're right. I think um, 
the idea that well i i could not i could never really do a job like that very well i could never be in sales or i could never whatever name that thing obviously the, you know that's if somebody's got that same opinion or that you know comes from that perspective obviously that's a, something that could easily prove them you know wrong in that area and that they they can do whatever they want to do you just have to make sure you got the right team around you so well yeah you get them in and like colin said get them in the right seat of the bus too i've hired people in service who I thought would be an excellent service advisor. And the more you're around him, the more you talk to him, you're like, I got this guy on the wrong seat. He, he would be a much, much better sales guy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and, and th- that's where we move them. And they realize the success in sales that they probably never would have in service. And, and it might even have ended bad in service. They, they would have eventually gotten tired of, of struggling through service and not succeeding and not, uh, really excelling at that position. And, um, but in, in sales, it's the exact opposite and it could be vice versa, you know, it could mm-hmm. be a, the exact opposite. So you mm-hmm. just need to figure out we're, we're fortunate. It's, you know, my father is a D I'm a C my brother's an S huh. and my brother's the parts manager here. Um, I, I really like digging into the financials. I like the administrative side of the business. Um, I'm not really, I'm really good with, with customers, but I'm not really good on follow through. So I could sell them a spark plug and they'd be happy. But if I need to, <laughs> if I need to build them a side by side that, you know, gets $4,000 in accessories and I got to get the parts ordered and I've got to organize the, the work order and I've got a big, long to-do list for this guy, I'm going to fail I, because I just feel like I need to, that this is somebody else's job and I need to get back to doing what I'm doing and trying to drive this dealership forward. And this is, this is not, not what I'm best at. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to delegate work, and that's something my father has really struggled with who, you know, I owe so much to, and I'm not trying to disparage him in any way, but one thing, my father, it was, everything ran through him. He was the tip of the funnel in the dealership and he had a real hard time letting that go. He had a real hard time delegating work. I'm, um, I'm picturing a funnel when you pour gas or anything else into it too quickly and it's overflowing or on the sides because it's not yep. getting through the bottom of the funnel. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just he, he would not allow, he, he kind of hamstrung the deal, by his own admission, he kind of hamstrung the dealership by being involved as long as what he was uh, because he wanted to be so involved in everything that happened that he couldn't do any of it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had to have his, he, he, he'd hire people and then wouldn't let them do their job. And that's something that as he's gotten older and he's watched us, my brother and I come along and if he, he feels good about us, I think, and he, he uh, starts <laughs> to, uh, allow a little bit more people to do their job that this dealership's really started to, um, really take off and, and, and grow beyond what I think he thought it might be. And, uh, so that's been fun to be a part of as well. And that, that's kind of what makes a lot of the growing pains that we've had here worthwhile. Well, it sounds like it's a good story. You know, I've, you and I have only met via phone and now a podcast, but uh, I was, I was glad to link up with you and I was glad uh, that Brooke recommended I reach out to you and cold call you to, to get you on the podcast. It sounds like, uh, you know, I guess uh, <clears throat> I'd like to think that, you know, I know family's different than, uh, than associates and people you interact with in business. But, uh, when you've got, you know, people that, that have, have either worked with you or around you, even in, you know, in the same industry like this, and they're calling on your behalf, I think, uh, you know, between 
your family and, and the way you, you've run the business and the way your family's uh, set you, uh, you know, on a, you and your, your siblings or sibling to be involved. Obviously you guys have set such a, uh, such a reputation. You've got people in towns away from you that are calling and recommending you. It's, well, obviously I'm, something's I'm, done right there. I'm flattered that Brooke would, uh, <laughs> would do that for me. Honestly, it's, uh, Brooke's one of the good guys. I really enjoy Brooke. He's done a lot of work for me in the past and, uh, just he, he's got a motorcycle shop that is uh, so unique, so interesting to follow. It's been such a good time watching it grow. Uh, and, and again, that's, that's where any success that I've had, I've got to give it back to people like Brooke and uh -huh. to, to mentors that I've had along the way because, you know, I've had a lot of good ideas, but I feel like the most, the, the, the most promising ones are the ones that have worked the best here at our dealership have come from, uh, people that are just smarter than me. I've been real fortunate in my career to be around uh, some really, really good operators and to watch what they're doing. So, uh, but Brooks doing some really unique stuff right now. Uh, he's got a really neat shop, and um, uh, I'll, I'll be anxious to hear. Is, is, is he coming on the podcast too? Is he going to do well, we'll see. You know, I've I actually took a week and a half off from from doing anything because I, I, you know, we're it's getting busy in spring, and I've been busy with work as it is, and this is just a side project trying to help coordinate these what I love these great discussions. But I, I find that it's it's tough to to link up with people before after hours lunch break or whatever. But I, sure. I'm hoping so. Yes, I've given him a open invitation and, and, uh, probably with, uh, running his own program. We just haven't linked up on the time, but he should be coming on. I want to ask you, um, what, you know, I get the impression, uh, mentorship and that sort of deal. Do you have either somebody that you'd like to call out or just speak more broadly about mentors? Is there somebody that you, uh, mentored under that? Um, gosh, there's so many, uh, the first, the first couple that come to mind are, uh, uh, guys that have been in dealerships in the past and um, a guy named Mike Twig, who my father started with Triumph and BSA back in the late sixties, but he worked for Mike's grandfather, a town away. And Mike's grandfather is really the reason why Valley cycle center exists. He co-signed a loan for my father to get into business um, and it just went from there. But Mike is somebody who is an excellent operator. Um, everything he does, he's, he's exact. He's precise. Um, you know, I, 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 if I take a paintbrush and it puts blue paint on the wall, the way I, I'm very happy. But somebody like Mike puts blue paint on the wall and he says, this bristle here just isn't carrying it the way that I thought it would. And I'm only getting production out of 87% of the bristles. So if I cut this much off and add this over here, I can get a hundred percent. Yeah. It's just the way he is. And he's good at it. Um, but most importantly, he's been good to me. He's been better to me than he really should have been. Uh, so Mike Twig, who operates Twig Cycles out of Hagerstown, Maryland has been, uh, uh, somebody who's who's helped me along the way, and he's got a son too, uh, named Brock. So they're going through now. Brock would be the fourth generation involved in Twig Cycles, and and it's just a real success story for a lot of the stuff we've we've talked about. Um, the other hmm. person that lately that's been that's been a lot of help to me is a, a gentleman named Mark Sheffield, and Mark is a uh, um, I, he calls himself retired, but he works harder than anybody I know, and. <laughs> He, he's a guy who operated a dealership in Texas. Um, I've been to that dealership. It's a, it's a 
well-oiled machine. It's a, it's a excellent location, excellent, excellent spot uh, and a great operation to, to really try to mirror and, and follow. But there's another guy who I can pick up the phone. I can text, I can call. Uh, we've spent hours on the phone. We'll, we'll text late at night. We'll, we'll trade conversations back and forth. And, and Mark's a guy who also has treated me better than I deserve. Um, and there, there's not much that in these relationships with, with Mike Twig and Mark Sheffield that I really bring to the table. <laughs> I realize this. I, I, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm usually a little, uh, self-conscious when I pick up the phone and I call them, I, I feel like I don't want to be a bother to these guys, but I really have this question and this is the right, this is the right guy I need to talk to, but, uh, they go out of their way to, to spend time with me and, um, uh, just, uh, just, they, they, they've been really good to me in the past. And of course my father, it, it, without him, um, you know, we, we would, he, he's, he got the ship going. All I got to do is hold the wheel. So, um, it's been, uh, um, I've been, I've been really blessed, really fortunate with the people I've had around me in this industry. It's, um, I, I'm sure I'm missing somebody else too. So I, I'm, I'm sorry if somebody hears this and they feel slighted, but <laughs> you guys know who you are. I tell you all the time. But. Well, it's, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, that, that to me, that's one of the standouts uh, that that's continued to keep me involved in, in this industry, even though a couple of times I thought, no, nah, I'm done with power sports. I'm done. You know, I got into this thinking I was going to own a dealership one day. And then when I worked as a service writer and then a parts guy, and I did these different jobs at a dealership. I kept thinking, man, that looks like a total beating being an owner. So I never went down that path. You know, I, I was manager at, uh, at some stores and uh, then got into different rep jobs. And, and I enjoy coming in with what I feel like is fresh perspective to dealerships um, and, and being able to help them with at least, you know, areas that I've got, you know, some sort of uh, history in. But um, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, the amount of, uh, I guess you would imagine like if somebody's, at a dealership, running a dealership, and potentially somebody else that could be perceived as a competitor to them. And a lot of times they still will just, yeah, absolutely, tell you whatever you need to know to help you, uh, which is encouraging, you know, because it's not. Yeah, yeah, you, you nailed it right there. Right? It, there. There's so many guys that are very defensive when you start talking to them. They don't want to open up. They feel like they've got some secret sauce. And I get it. You know, they worked hard to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. But I firmly believe, and this is one thing that I talk about, I, I think I touched base on it at our last uh, dealer association meeting, is um, I can't think of a worse experience than buying a car, going to the DMV, uh, buying a cell phone. All those things are horrible for me. <laughs> and most people that you talk to, it's the same way. Nobody really enjoys that experience. And it should be something that's nice. You know, you're getting a new gadget that you get to keep in your pocket. You're getting this new cell phone. It's got the latest, greatest technology. But it's miserable. I've never gotten out the door in less than two hours. Uh, it's always more money than what they sold you. Uh, you're dealing with people that are seem to be competent. I guess they are, but gosh, they can't answer any questions that you that you ask them. Um, it's just a miserable experience. So what I think is, it's a bad experience buying a cell phone. I don't think it's a bad experience buying a cell phone at Retailer X. Their Retailer Y might be doing an excellent job at that. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I think about that when it comes to my business and if a customer walks into a neighboring deal or someplace that, um, and, and, and they're, 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 they're treated poorly or they're ignored. Um, 
they're doing bad work or they're not, they're not taking care of the customer the way they were. And it's just not a great experience. Well, then all of a sudden buying a motorcycle is a bad experience, right? Uh-huh. It's not buying a uh-huh. motorcycle at, at power sports of Winchester is, is, Mm-hmm. bad it's just buying a motorcycle bad it's not fun Re- reflection so, on definitely reflection on the uh on the activity and the and the business then so much as just for one right we're all taking the heat behind the scenes absolutely. right <laughs> having a contingent of good qualified operators and dealers is just um it, it, everybody's business the rising tide raises all boats i'm told yep. so yep. um you know if we could have stronger dealers in our backyard and, and guys that are operating better. I think uh-huh. they find that, you know, it, it might be beneficial for everybody uh-huh. and a little competition never hurt anyone either. So uh, to have a rotten dealer next door really it, probably isn't good for you. Do you remember, um, you're about the same age as me, I think. So do you remember when, uh, when, uh, Sony was trying to be successful, uh, with, uh, with beta as a format. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So, it's funny because I, you know, back in, right out of high school, I worked at an electronics store and, and I just enjoyed them. I didn't know that much, obviously, as you work in that and, and, be, and, and get invested in that industry, so to speak, you, you learn quite a bit. And, and I've slept enough time since then that I don't remember the details, but I just remember always thinking, wow, you know, they really screwed up when they, when they covered themselves, you know, patents and, and all these trademark deals on beta because it wasn't accepted, you know, it wasn't accepted as the standard. And of course, it might have been a great format, but they corralled and, and held on to that so tightly. And obviously, you know, with somebody as large as Sony, and I may be getting the story wrong. This is just how I remember uh, mm-hmm. some of the folks I was working with telling me the story like, oh, we've got these these beta players, but man, these is really great format, but everything's going this other way. Well, well, why? You know, and they're like, well, as I you know heard it described, and I may be, and there may be more to the story, but it was seemed to be more about um, them covering themselves for, for competition and obviously it wasn't accepted uh, and never moved forward and evaporated. Right. So, yeah, I, I guess yeah. I like to think of it that same way as you share, you share what you can, uh, what you're, you know, there's definitely plenty of insights to, to be shared that will help and, and rise that or raise that tide. Right. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, there, there, there's only a couple ways to do this. Well, I mean, it's, I, I don't know of any unique uh, way that, um, people are, are succeeding in the motorcycle industry. Um, there's, there's different ways to run your business, obviously. And there's, um, but there's only a, a couple that really move your business forward. Um, where you have a, a nice profitable operation where it's, um, something that's becoming sustainable for generations, years to last. Uh-huh. I, I don't know too many ways to do that other than just, you know, a couple, one or two, three, maybe. Um, so, you know, I think that there, there really is no secret sauce. You know, there's really no secrets. <laughs> it's it, 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 it just focus more on your operation, your dealership, uh-huh. trying to make, make your dealership come along and, 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 and get the best people that you possibly can in your dealership uh-huh. working for you make sure that they're happy and, um, you know, treat them right. I, I, some of the, most fulfilling stories that come out of this place aren't really with my customers. Most of them are with my employees. And I really like knowing that I've got mechanics who have put three kids through college uh-huh. uh, on the salary that they've gotten at Valley cycle. And, um, you know, just, just 
parts guys that have been here 20 years who are, I'd love to think would be here 20 more. Um, uh-huh. and, and just seeing people take ownership of this place and, and make it their own and seeing the ideas that they come up with that to me is as fulfilling or more fulfilling than the next deal coming uh-huh. down the pike, you know, uh-huh. and I, I've made some, some really good friends out there with customers and, and, are, you know, people that, that are really near and dear and close to me, uh, that have started walking in the door, started as customers, but, uh, the most fulfilling piece of it has just been the employees and, and having good people here. Um, but, uh, unfortunately not too many of them came from other shops. Um, you know, they all started outside. That's another topic for another day, but it's, I guess to bring it all back around, what I'm talking about here is it's, there's, there's, there's just really no, no secrets. I don't uh-huh. think. I think, um, you know, you'd mentioned you listen to, to quite a few podcasts when you're doing things, obviously where you can, you know, be, you know, maybe put your brain in that, uh, uh, pause mode or switch it off and, and listen to some things and, and see what kind of comes to front of your mind. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, that's something I, I've been thinking about or gives you another idea. I think that's to me, the strength of the podcast format and why I even wanted to use this. I know a lot of people are saying, you got to do like a Facebook live video. And I'm like, no, because that's not what this, I think is the best format for this. It doesn't mean it can't exist, but, um, do you have, um, do you have any sort of favorite go-to podcast that you'd recommend anybody listen to? I know you listen. There's to a it. ton of good Freakonomics uh, ah, okay. podcasts out there. Okay. The Freakonomics uh, episodes are really good. There's a, a Freakonomics episode that uh, I think it was Sheffield forwarded along to me here recently on Trader Joe's and just listening to their their business model and, and how Trader Joe's operates. <laughs> Um, now it's a grocery store and, and, and I learned a lot from how a grocery store operates. Um, so Freakonomics is really good. There's, um, um, an NPR episode. Uh, there's NPR's got a ton of good, good podcasts and episodes out there. One of them called, if you just Google NPR, um, the rotten apple. And okay. it talks about the, the, the one person who in your uh, around you can ruin it for everybody. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's a really interesting one. It talks about everything from unvaccinated kids all the way down to the, the jerk at work. So, um, <laughs> you know, that was a really interesting one. But those two really helped me a lot. And but then hmm. just on a regular basis, kind of my go to ones are the uh, uh, I, I really enjoy the not all of his podcasts, but the Joe Rogan podcasts are all really uh-huh. good. Yeah. Uh, he's got some really interesting people on there, profe- college professors all the way. Yeah. To, uh, mind, mind bending stuff. He definitely, he, he gets in. That's what I, I'm a fan of his as well. And I can't commit to four hour long podcasts a sure. whole lot, yeah. but man, there's some interesting, uh, you know, things you, you're not going to probably ever, you know, pull yourself into these other categories or these other the depths of some other topic to the level where he ends up doing it. I'll point out that, and I, and I wanted a couple from you on, on what you think. It made me realize that one of my favorite go-to podcasts is, um, is from your part of the country. Have you ever heard of the marketing book podcast? No. no I haven't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. And they're not long. What he does is, uh, um, the marketing book podcast listens to the, you know, basically uh, authors of books about marketing and or sales um, send this guy 
their books and he can, you know, considers whether he's going to do a podcast. He gets them on as a guest after he's reviewed the book, read the book and they talk it out in, in a, you know, a pretty concise format, but there's all these variations on what sort of marketing, you know, through the years, um, where it's been, how it's worked, how it's shifted. And it's just really some really interesting, uh, insights. So I kind of throw it out there cause they're from, they're from, uh, they're from Virginia or he records okay. it out in Virginia. So it's, it's interesting if, if you don't have any kind of in your repertoire that, that are along those lines, but those things did, are just a well of knowledge. I mean, totally keep on going further and further. I can't believe that, you know, and my, my wife even said, I, I, I say, I listen to this podcast and she, she laughs, she giggles a little bit and she's like, you and your podcast. And, <laughs> You know, I'm like, I cannot believe you're not on this. Like, uh-huh. she, she, she's she is one of, if not the smartest people I know, mm-hmm. and she just kind of almost turns her nose at it. But it, it, there's, it's just a well of mm-hmm. knowledge and information, mm-hmm. and you can keep on going for as long as you want. I've learned mm-hmm. more from these podcasts and, and of course, books and things like that than I ever did in, in school. I completely agree. I'm I'm with you 100%. I'm a big fan. And, and like I say, I, it's funny because I joke and think, man, I, I got my own little podcast show and, and I'm not putting myself in the in the uh, sort of the circles of those I listen to. But I, I know that for a certain audience, um, insights like what you've shared with us today, um, you know, just from your perspective, it's it's going to get uh, things turning and, and some other uh, individuals minds on on making things better for their situation and and uh i'll, I'll uh, we're running up on a, an hour here and i was i was uh i've been told several times don't go beyond an hour if you can help it so i'm gonna try i'm gonna i'm doing my best to try to to keep us dialed back i'd love to have you on another time in the future uh, if, if our schedules can line up and and do some other topics i think uh, i really appreciate your insights um and I, that's it. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to. I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I'm flattered you've asked. And, uh, okay. Uh, it's been uh, been a privilege. So okay. thank, you well, for, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, James. I, I appreciate you coming on again, everybody. It's uh, This has been uh, James Myers with uh, um, Valley Cycle Center out in Winchester, Virginia. And um, you get any questions or, or want to try to link up with James, obviously you can probably find him on places like uh, the Internet through his dealership or uh you know i I found him on linkedin pretty easily um but uh i'm out there somewhere you just have to look for (laughs) i always tell people if you if you want to link up with them and you you couldn't figure it out you can reach out to me directly at uh, dealershipfixit at gmail.com and i'll make sure it happens uh but uh thanks for listening everybody and uh, again james thanks for jumping on and we'll talk to you soon take care Bye -bye. bye bye 